What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fantasy Bestie Show right here on the Razzball YouTube channel. Thanks, as always, to Razzball for hosting the Fantasy Besties on the YouTube page. Definitely check out the audio of the show that you can find on Razzball.com. And guys, Happy New Year. We haven't seen you in 2023. And right here, we're in the second day of 2023. We took a little bit of a holiday break last week, so I hope everybody had a happy holiday season and that you've entered into this new year with good thoughts and good feelings and, shoot, hopefully some fantasy football championships. I know we got a couple of uh, leagues that we're sweating here between the three of us, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, with me today, I have my man, Cantaloupe, and my man, Kevin Tompkins, I, I, K Tompkins, I, I. What's up, fellas? Say hello. 2023, a little older, a little wiser. Um, a little bit dismayed at Justin Jefferson, but you know what? Jair called the shot, and uh, it is what it is. But uh, lots of good things, lots of maybe not so good things, but let's focus on the positive here. I see scampers in the chat. Uh, happy New Year and happy new fantasy football year because, of course, next Monday, like 9 a.m., I will be in those underdog streets drafting for 2023. <laughs> yes, you will. You've been asking us to draft 2023 on this show for two weeks now. I'm ready. We're, I'm we're so gonna... ready. I've never been more ready. <laughs> and we'll get there, bro. We'll get there. And we're going to have shows where we're talking about next year. We're talking about the rookies. So, guys, keep it tuned here. We're going to be back during the offseason. We're not going anywhere. We're going to even bring in some game shows again. We had some fun game shows on here. We'll bring some guests in. So it's going to be a fun offseason here. So hang out with us. Luke, what's new with you, man? What's going on? Man, just uh, just sweating out uh, some Monday night football here. So to end, end the season. It's crazy to think that we're, uh, that we're already at this point, man. It flies by. It really does. So um, just uh, looking to milk out this last little bit here and come away with Hopefully victory. So we'll see. That's what she said. <laughs> but before we get into Monday Night Football and before we get into the sweats that we're going to be looking for tonight, let's kind of look back at what we saw this week. You know, starting Thursday, going into Saturday, Sunday, it was a lot of football this weekend. It was great. What was your favorite thing that you saw this week, Luke? What was your favorite thing? Oh, man. Um, there there were <laughs> there were a lot of them there. There were some up and down performances, some big performances. I'll let you uh, talk about the biggest. I know you're waiting for that. Um, some not so good performances. Kev already mentioned uh, Justin Jefferson. So I think it's just the, uh, I don't know, the, the unpredictability of of fantasy football that we all know. But, uh, you know, we're, we go in and we expect one thing to happen and you have all these guys in your lineup and you're like, there's no way that I can lose this week. And then there you go. And then at the same time, you go in as an underdog and, and you think, man, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to struggle. I may lose by 20, 30 points this week and then you pull it out. So uh, it's just, you know, embracing the unpredictability of the week. So yeah, I love very, that. Uh, I love that. So many people go by the the projections on whatever site that you use. And I had a lot of people that were like asking me start sick questions or even my friends that were calling me to talk about their championships they're like, oh, I'm projected to lose by 10 points. You know, should I start this random dude as a dart throw or should I go with, you know, this guy? And it's like, well, forget about the projections. Think about what you think is going to happen in this game. Like the projections are just another dude like you and me that are predict predicting what's going to happen. So uh, you can't always go by that. You have to go by the feeling that you have in your gut. And thankfully, I had a lot of good feelings to play Mike Evans yesterday. And I told a lot of people to play Mike Evans yesterday. So to all of you, especially my dude Bishop, my boy Bishop texted me yesterday. He's like, yo, I need your advice for, for my championship. And he hasn't really hit me up all season. So he texted me out of the blue and he's like, I need your advice for the championship. Sends me a screenshot of his team. Any changes you'd make before kickoff. And he had Zach Moss in his flex and he had Mike Evans on his bench. And I was like, dude, you have to start Mike Evans. I said, not only would I start him over Moss, I'd start him over two of the receivers you have there too. It was a great matchup for Evans. The The Carolina secondary was banged up. I mean, they, they pulled the corpse of Josh Norman out of the couch somewhere and put him out there. I mean, they were banged up in the secondary. Mike Evans was 
87 yards or something like that away from his thousand again. It was just all the signs were there for him and he did it and he had the big game. He put up 50 plus fantasy points. He got over a thousand yards for the every year of his career time. I mean, this is a future Hall of Famer right here. Anybody who wants to knock him, anybody who wants to hate on him because, you know, he has some down weeks or he disappeared for a while. Sure. Maybe he's not the most stable fantasy football wide receiver for you. Just use my name next time, JB. But the guy's a playmaker, Kevin. You want to talk? Okay, maybe he's not wide receiver seven. Maybe he doesn't move up to the ADP that he had at one point. But the dude is the Tony Gwynn of the NFL. He is as consistent as it gets. Every year he's putting up a 1,000 yards, and you could bank on it. Death, taxes, and a 1,000 yards for Mike Evans, baby. What's up? Well, you want to know what's up is Tom Brady's, you know, his stock at least for this week because Tom Brady looked like the he brought back the vintage Buccaneers. We've been looking for it for the last 15 weeks and 16 weeks, and here we are in week 17, and we finally get a 400-yard game. We finally get, a, you know, touchdowns. And, and look, I'm not trying to, to poo-poo on the Mike Evans parade. I understand it, and the dude had a great week. But – I'm going to look at it in the in the, in the lens of variance. So we have no problem poo-pooing a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling who gets maybe five targets, doesn't catch a pass, but has like 140 air yards. They had the intent of throwing the ball to him deep. And that's the downside of variance. Mike Evans, you know, had had a 18.3 yard A dot, hit 10 catches, 207 yards of three touchdowns, all long touchdowns. That's the good side of variance. So, you know, when Mike Evans, you know, he's done this two years in a row in week 17 where he's just had a huge blow-up spot. So, you know, great for Mike Evans, and I'm glad Brady finally shook off some of that uh, that rust, rust and said, you know, finally, let's go. Uh, no, no pun intended for this podcast. But, um, yeah, Tom Brady might not be so dead after all, but, you know, the, the Grim Reaper comes for everybody at some point. Uh Father time is undefeated, so when he is a New York Jet next year, um, we're gonna be right in the UK. I think he's gonna be a Vegas Raider next year. Probably, I mean, probably. I, I just want to see him go west, closer to California, where he wanted to be. He's got McDaniel's there. I think it's a perfect fit for him to just go to Vegas, especially with them like throwing car under the bus. No pun intended, right? <laughs> but you can't really compare Evans, and I'll tie the bow on Evans here. You can't compare Evans to just some random deep threat player like MVS. Like, no, Mike Evans no, I'm played not nine him. seasons in this league, and he gets a thousand yards every single year. That wasn't a comparison to him. That was just a, uh, the examples of variance: good variance, bad variance. Evans was at the top end. A guy like that we love to, to crap on in MVS, <laughs> you know, is that same kind of game profile where they can chuck it up to him deep and he doesn't catch anything and then we you know rail on him i've totally done it evans is the good side of the variance yeah i hear you i hear you um we don't have a kevin Tompkins injury report today um you know we got a lot going on there's players that are going to be sitting whoever we do have a jordan loop injury report today um you know jordan is here with us jordan was intending to be with us but jordan loop injury report is your daughter okay I think so, but gonna go, uh, gonna go check on her. Uh, root for uh, for me for pros with Joe's tonight. Thirty six points from Burrow and Chase combined. Then Wendy Early and I will win the pros with Joe's three. Uh, so uh, excited about that first year that I was a part of that very cool uh, charity tournament. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring it home. So I, I appreciate you guys. So. We'll be rooting home. for you, Loop, and I'll bring it up again later when we talk about Monday night also. Give us yep. a text and let us know your daughter's okay. See ya. Good stuff. All right. Well, hopefully when Loop leaves, it doesn't end the stream, and it didn't. We're still here. You still got me. You still got Kev. We're here. We hit our first down. Obviously, it was nice. Kev, I'm guessing Tom Brady was your first down take. That was your favorite thing you saw this week? He was. We'll keep it Buck-centric. I love it. I love it because I've pooped on Brady for weeks now. Brady has not looked the same. He has not looked himself. He has not looked sharp. He's missing throws and he wasn't connecting with his wide receivers. So to see that connection with Evans going into the playoffs, everyone said, you know, oh, when the Bucs win the division, they're going to be, you know, somebody you don't want to see in the playoffs. But if Brady was playing the way he was prior to this week, 
they're a team you want to see in the playoffs. But yeah. now if they start to click, they could be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, we've been seeing, you know, they've been pretty inefficient for the, in that passing game all season. Like we've gotten the fit 45, 50 pass attempts, but they've always come just always missing his guys. I mean, Evans and Godwin have hit two degrees. Godwin mostly uh, the last few weeks, but really, and then we saw, you know, the random Russell Gage uh, blow up, but yeah, it's been like 45, 50 pass times for only like 250 yards. They haven't really connected uh, in a meaningful way where you're going to get the blow up games that we got in 2020 and 2021. So um, it was good to see Tom Brady finally, you know, get a, get some connections with these guys and hopefully they can use that and, yeah, they'll be very, da- you know, very dangerous in the playoffs. Absolutely. I'll give an honorable mention here for my first down on one of the favorite things I saw this week. Were the two games that I expected to be dog crap games that were garbage games. One of them being the Sunday night football game last night, which was pretty dog crap for the most part. Yeah. But it ended up having an exciting ending. It was a hard nosed game. Anytime those te- two teams play each other. It's a hard-nosed game, but it had an exciting ending. You saw the kids step up. You know, Pickett really came to play at the end of the game, drove his team down. You love to see that. So I was really excited by that one. And the other game that I was really excited by was a game where it was like, oh, crap. That Atlanta game was not one that you wanted to watch. You had backup quarterbacks. You had, you know, garbage players. But it ended up being another exciting game that came down to a game-winning kick at the end of the game. So, you know, it wasn't the most exciting or fantasy-friendly games to talk about, but both of those poo-poo games were exciting endings and and were some good football for the most part. Yeah, that was like the one game, honestly, uh, I could not find, I could not just click onto because, I mean, there are other games on, like, I'll tell you that right now, the afternoon game, the, the 49ers Raiders is a game that I, I have not sweated over a game more that was not a Packers game. Than that game, and I will tell you why. Because for tonight, the sweat I have, and it's it really shouldn't be a sweat, but knowing the chaos of the NFL season, it is absolutely a sweat. I need Joe Burrow to outscore Hayden Hurst in King's Classic, and I will be hoisting that belt in Canton. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's very difficult, but anything can happen, uh, you know, in fantasy. So We'll see. But uh, yeah, so I was playing Fantasy Mojo, um, did get out to a lead. Every single one of my players but J.K. Dobbins and Joe Burrow uh, played uh, in the early slate. And then Mojo had Adams, Jacobs, and CMC all going in that one game. And just watching that and then just seeing the points tick up. And then that game went to overtime. And then I'm sitting there like, oh, my, this is I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> and then it was the most uneventful overtime I think I've yeah, seen in a really much. long time. Thank, thank the Lord. Cause thank the defense. <laughs> yeah. Cause I probably wouldn't be here. I'd probably be like six feet under at this point. <laughs> yeah. Not be good, but yeah. So that's really not the, uh, yeah. And that, and that's another thing too. And that just goes into the chaos of the NFL season where you look at that matchup before they even play a game. And that's why games aren't played on paper is because yep. you see Jert Stidham going up against 49ers who have shut down teams and Everybody. quarterbacks all season. And of course, in the chaos of the NFL season, Jared Stidham comes out and balls out. Like it's, <laughs> you know, his life depended on it against the yep. 49ers. So yep. like the one time I've could have used maybe a stop, like if CMC went off great and he did, but Stidham didn't have to bring those two, you know, Jacobs and Adams along for the ride too. Right. That whole offense was supposed to struggle yesterday behind Stidham. And like, come on, like that Adams catch, the one in the oh fourth quarter was ridiculous. Just, yeah. I was on, uh, I was on, no, I wasn't on serious at that point, but I was sweating that out with uh, Brian Drake last night uh, on the PFF show. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that game is wild. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of fun ones yesterday. So it was a fun weekend of football. Looking towards next season now, Kev, we're in the new year, right? We're in 2023 now. So people make their New Year's resolution. And I'm not talking about, oh, you know, I'm going to go out less and I'm going to save money more. We're going to look at it as a fantasy football New Year's resolution. So with the 2022 season pretty much wrapping up right now, what did you take out of this season that you're resolved to change or do better next season, Kev? 
Um, I actually, this is a, a resolution I've talked about here on these airwaves. Um, draft more rookies. Like, just the, the biggest discount that you can get in any draft is incoming rookies. And we've seen it with guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Christian, uh, Christian Watson. Um, you know, guys that are gaining roles as the season goes on, that are getting their feet wet with professional football. And, you know, obviously there's a lot that can coincide with that with, you know, Garrett Wilson having Mike White, you know, the, just the general malaise of the Saints offense kind of affecting Chris, Chris Olave to an extent. And then Chris, Christian Watson catching fire and getting a lot of teams in the playoffs. I mean, he didn't really do much uh, yesterday, and that was a good thing because I was playing against him too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, these rookies, as far as price goes in drafts, they will not – I mean – the, the this is where you can win your league with guys like this. Now, if you give me the decision of like drafting between, you know, uh, Chris Olave and like uh, Adam Thielen, I mean, you ask us now, and the and, and the answer is pretty simple. So, uh, just get, just being able to be on these rookies and like Ken, you know, Ken Walker and, uh, you know, just. Uh, all around, all across the board. Like, look who these first round, second round, kind of keep an eye on who these teams are needing, uh, you know, in the drafts. So you got to figure, um, you know, a lot of these players are going to be going into good situations. Like the, the running back Robinson there uh, is going to be like uh, yep. the dynasty 101 at this point behind the two quarterbacks, Bryce Young and uh, CJ Stroud. So, yeah. I mean, look where he's going. If he goes to somewhere like the Dolphins or, uh, I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I really don't know. Or like the Texans where he has probably a clear path to being a, a, a top running back in fantasy, kind of like Zeke Elliott was when uh, he was drafted by the Cowboys and immediately was like an RB1. Saquon well, Barkley. Yeah, exactly. So a lettered Fournette with the Jaguars. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah. So just rookies, rookies, rookies. You're never going to get a better price on them than their first year. And these are the guys that are going to be, uh, you know, jump starting your lineup. I love it. I definitely subscribe to that too. Cause you make a good point. The value that you're going to get on them is, and look, you could miss on one or two also, but yeah. if you're grabbing a few of them and you hit on one or two, then that could be what puts you over the top and gets you into the playoffs and makes your team a difference maker. So I definitely like that one, Kev. That's one that I definitely learned this year also. Um, the one that really stands out to me is quarterback at the quarterback position. What I'm going to do differently next year is in a one quarterback league and maybe even in the super flexes as my second quarterback, I think I'm going to wait a little bit longer than I usually do because I'm never the guy. I shouldn't say never. I'm very, very, very rarely the guy who pays up for Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen or those, you know, those first, second, third round guys. I'm very, very, very rarely that guy. But what I usually am is the guy who tries to wait on that second, third pocket and then grab one of the guys in that pocket, right? So this year, you look at after those top guys, you threw Herbert in at the three spot in most times. And then you had Kyler, Lamar, Dak, um, um, Joe Burrow. If you didn't get Burrow, you missed you missed on the rest of them. So if you waited a little while and you waited several rounds later and got Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, you're getting QB1s, guys that finished as top 10 quarterbacks in the fantasy season. So you don't need to go up and pick Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, because you're not necessarily going to hit on that. And if you don't, the value that you're losing out on, let's say you picked um, you know, Lamar Jackson in a place where you could have got A.J. Brown. You could have got Mike Evans. You could have got guys that have been more productive during your stretch run, during your playoff push than Lamar Jackson was sitting on your bench, right? So for me personally, I think I'm going to try waiting on quarterback in more of my leagues next year and try to hit on a couple of them. You know, play that safe and upside game where you grab two later guys where you get a guy like Daniel Jones that has the upside with a floor guy like a Kirk Cousins or something that, you know, might help you in certain matchups. Not yesterday. <laughs> so no, I think not, that's not one many thing. prime time games. Yeah. So that's one thing, Kev, that I think I'm going to try more next year is waiting on that quarterback position. Yeah. I think it's very interesting too. When you look at the top quarterbacks, obviously one, two, three, Mahomes, Allen Hurts. Uh, and then Burrow's kind of the fourth there, and then you've got Field, you know, got your next tier of like Fields, Lawrence, 
um, you know, at least for this season, uh, quarterbacks are going to be going even higher next year, at least that top three. Like yep. we're going to, this might be one of the times where we see qu- these top quarterbacks going at such a premium to where you're almost, I mean, we weren't really priced out of Josh Allen last year. He was going in about the third round. And if you really wanted him, you could take him there. Yeah. Uh, but Mahomes was going at, I guess, a value. I mean, going in the fourth, sometimes the fifth, depending on the league and then hurts maybe, you know, around later in the sixth, but you take these top three quarterbacks, they all might be gone by like the middle of the third round. And it's going to be a huge tier because I would, if I'm going to go with my quarterback rankings for like 2023, I think I got to go Mahomes, Allen Hurts, and I think Burrow sneaks in there at QB4. But I think Burrow, it might be the value still of like the quarterback position because you're going to see those three guys go so high. And then people are just going to play. It's going to be like one big game of chicken where you're just waiting for the the next domino to fall. And that could be in the fifth round with Joe Burrow. And then you're going to see like the Justin Fields and the Herberts and the Lamar Jacksons go off. So I guess it'd be very interesting. Like I know uh, we made the joke about how I'm always uh, saying we want to do 2023 drafts, but I'm, I've been seriously looking at what this landscape is going to be because I'm going to be doing drafts next week. So I want to at least be, you know, kind of get a lay of the land before I really dive head first. Yep. Yep. And I think that scampers and you are both absolutely right. There's going to be an overreaction next season. I think those top three guys are going to go super early. And then I think you will find values on guys like Justin Herbert who have not performed well this year. Right. He's going to slip next year. He was going as QB three this year. He might go in that six, seven range next year. Who knows? Like you talk about guys like fields that people might put ahead of him for the rushing upside. Obviously, Burrow that we talked about going for. There's your top five, maybe. Right. So you have Herbert slipping out of the top five, maybe into that seven or eight range. And that's going to be a guy scampers. Exactly. I'm sitting here right now saying I'm going to wait. I'm going to draft you know Trevor Lawrence and, and Daniel Jones at double digit rounds. And Justin Herbert's going to be sitting there, and I'm going to be like, give me all the Herbert. Give me all the Herbert. <laughs> well, while you do that, I will be the eternal glutton for punishment and drafting Trey Lance in the 12th round. Yes, that'll you will. Me. Yes, you definitely will. <laughs> and that'll be my other side of it, too, right? Like, if I grab Herbert early, I'm going to be looking for a Trey Lance or somebody later that I could strike with. And you know what? I think that – and we'll touch on Daniel Jones real quick because I keep bringing him up. Do you think he stays the quarterback of the, of the New York Giants next year? I think he earned himself a contract with that game yesterday. Honestly, I think there is no more important single game performance as far as a quarterback last week or this past week than Daniel Jones. I think getting them into the playoff, you know, getting them in position to get in the playoffs and then having the game he did with two rushing touchdowns, uh, you know, wasn't really a high volume passing game, but he didn't need to. He did what he had to do on efficiency and he was the MVP of that team. So I think Daniel Jones probably earned himself a contract. Now it might be a kind of a thing where we looked at, you know, guys that have had maybe a career year, gotten a big contract and kind of languished like a Ryan Tannehill did with Miami um, where, you know, he was traded to Tennessee. What two years later, Uh, maybe didn't earn that contract afterwards, but you know, I think at least for right now, I think the Giants are kind of in a tough spot right now because you can see where they could probably use a quarterback and probably just, uh, you know, build outside of Daniel Jones because they've got, you know, a little bit, whether what they want to do is Saquon and obviously got Daniel Bellinger, probably need obviously wide receiver upgrades, but they could also build around him and then just build, build around him. I mean, if you have a quarterback, if you think you have a quarterback, you kind of got to play it like that because you end up in no man's land. Yeah, and Brian Dable is getting the best out of him. So maybe he's unlocked a little bit of his potential to see what he's capable of doing, putting him in good spots where he can make plays and win football games. You know, you you lost Wondell Robinson early. That's a playmaker that's coming back onto the field for him. If they yep. go out and get a big wide receiver like think about what we saw this offseason we saw Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown change teams like if the Giants bring in a wide receiver like that to add to Wondell Robinson and Sterling Shepard and the guys that are going to go out and make plays why can't Daniel Jones go out and and be a look he is a, a a playoff football team quarterback right now so like 
Brian Dable has unleashed something there where you're utilizing him. He's making something out of Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James. I mean, it takes a pretty decent quarterback to be able to do that, I would say. So I, I give a lot of props to Daniel Jones. I've been, you know, I've been kind of like not a Daniel Jones guy, but I've been on that train for a couple of years now. And sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses. But with Dable, I think that he's kind of getting unleashed a little bit. So I like what I saw out of Jones. I agree with you. I think that he is earning himself. He has earned himself a contract to stay there in New York. And that brings us to the next topic, Kev, which is going to be stock up. Because Daniel Jones's stock definitely went up. So we're going to talk about a guy here. And I want to know a player who's kind of piqued your interest lately. Someone that's worked his stock up in your mind. So not the obvious guy. Someone outside of like those obvious players that you're leaving this season thinking you're going to be higher on this guy next season than you were this season. And maybe other people aren't really seeing it. And you'll be able to get them at a value. Whose stock is up for you, Kev? For me, uh, George Pickens, like we're building off the second year wide receiver narrative, but I think he's a better wide receiver than Deontay Johnson, honestly, from talent and just, I don't, he hasn't had the production, but we've seen the plays he make and we are always asking, why don't they just force feed George Pickens the ball? Like everybody asks that Steelers fans, fantasy people. Uh, you know, it just goes around and around. Pickens was obviously, you know, went to Georgia, was a top recruit, um, you know, obviously had some off the field issues, but you know, he's fine now. He's in a good, you know, we know Pittsburgh turns out wide receivers like they're going out of sight, like <laughs> between for going back as far as like Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders and you name it, all these guys, Chase Claypool obviously traded him. He didn't work out, but I mean, they're drafting wide receivers and they've been productive. So I think George Pickens is the next iteration of that. I like Deontay Johnson. I think he's more, he's probably better suited as a second guy. Um, for me, at least, I think he, he can obviously earn targets, but I think the playmaker is George Pickens. If pick if Pickett to Pickens can be a thing next year, if obviously those two guys are rookies are going to keep ascending up uh, in that Pittsburgh Steelers system. I mean, they've got obviously the run game. They got to shore up their offensive line. But if Pickens get some time, we've seen probably you know the next little ascension of uh, Kenny Pickett. I think we're overreacting a little bit just based on that one. Um, you know, obviously they came back to win that game, but we were seeing what Pickett can do, and if they get get him some weapons and let him let him throw the ball, like that's the one thing that Mike Tomlin has done is they're not hiding Kenny Pickett; they're at least letting him throw the ball get his lumps in and it's only going to make him better in the long run. Like they're not Marcus Mariota ing Kenny Pickett. They're not hiding him behind a run game and letting him throw 12 times. Like they're at least letting him get out there to get some reps uh, and make plays. So I'm very encouraged by that. I want to see more George Pickens and I think just talent relative to cost next year. I think he's like a perfect, like seventh, eighth round guy that, can make that leap when you're thinking about drafting wide receivers you think about all right who is in the 2024 draft like i know we're not even on 2023 <laughs> but if you can think about all right who's a guy in 2023 in like the system where i don't think that's going to change up too much in pittsburgh they've got their a quarterback that i feel like they believe in obviously yep. spent a first rounder on like who can make that leap to where in 2024 you're drafting them in like the end of the second, third round. George Pickens is that guy for me. Chris Olave is also, but I completely agree with you on Pickens. He's a playmaker. He can go up and get it. And everybody is questioning why don't they throw him the ball more. And I think it's kind of a young quarterback feeling like he has to have the respect for Deontay Johnson, right? It's a coach who's a loyal coach, who's an old school type of coach that feels that he has to have the respect for Deontay Johnson. But you're right. I think Deontay would be better off in a complimentary role. So if Pickens can step up and be that big play receiver, be that number one target, then I think that benefits Deontay also. So I like that one a lot, Kev. I think that that connection could be good. I think that offense could be good if everybody plays to their roles. I mean, you, you didn't even talk about, but they got a solid tight end too. So if you have those two receivers and a solid tight end with a young quarterback and you know a, a good coaching staff, that offense could be good despite what you saw yesterday that wasn't that great. Right. 
One guy for me that I really been watching and I love the way that he runs the football is Tyler Algier. I think he's a guy that if given the opportunity to be a bell cow running back, to be a workhorse running back, that man runs fierce, bro. Like I love watching him run the football. Not only does he know how to hit the hole, but he hits that hole with a burst and he looks for somebody to run over at the end of the run. He's not looking to get out of bounds. He's not looking to go down. He's going to punish somebody at the end of that run, gain a couple yards as he falls forward, but tell that safety, you don't want to tackle me. So that next time I'm coming through that hole, you think about if you want to tackle that guy or if you want to get hit hard again. Like, I love watching him run. He might not be the, you know, the Kenneth Walker or the Brees Hall from this class, but bro, he runs the football with authority. And I really enjoyed, I've watched, I don't know why, because it's so hard to watch, but I've watched enough Atlanta Falcons football this year for some reason, partially because the Bucks <laughs> play him. But from a fantasy aspect, you know, I'm, I'm watching all the games throughout the day. So I just, every time I put that team on and they hand the ball to 25, man, I really enjoy watching him run the football. So I think yeah. he's really given me a little bit of a stock up. And he's a guy that I think I'm still going to be able to get as a value because he hasn't been a guy who like Kenneth Walker has taken on a lead back role and become a big name that a lot of people are talking about. He's still not a, a household name to a lot of, you know, average fantasy players. So to me, I think I'm going to be able to get a good value on him and I'm going to be moving him up my draft board next year and making sure that I get him around early. So I don't miss out on him. Yeah. I like Algier a lot. I was drafting him a lot in the preseason and, and just looking at that running back room where they had Damian Williams and Cordero Patterson, who is not a running back, even though his position says he is. Um, yeah, as JB would say, it was a fake running back. What did we call him last year? Yep. Yep. He is not a real running back. What did I call him? <laughs> what did I call him? I don't him? remember. I'm going to have to go. Uh, I, can't, I can't. I got a new phone. I can't even go back in the group chat anymore oh, to, to search man. it. But uh, yeah, like it seems like finally after these last three weeks or so that the Falcons have figured out, okay. Patterson's not a run like he's not a running back. He can't go in between tackles. Why are we asking him to do that? They've kind of scaled him back in all facets, really. Like he's been just a a, a foe back. I do like that. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, he's a throwback too because he's like thirty two years old. Throwback, yeah. throwback. Easy for me to say. Uh, but yeah, Algier. He he screams as far as like a draft value where he kind of gets lost in the weeds a little bit like Damian Harris, where you could probably get him in like the end of the sixth and the seventh round, like the beginning of like the zero RB zero RB guys, like the end of the dead zone. Yep. And I don't think he's going to be coming up that much from there unless they add, you know, if they, if they don't add anybody, I think maybe Algier could can come up into the end of the dead zone. But if they add somebody, if they add like a veteran running back, um, it's going to be tough if they just get rid of, you know, don't bring Patterson back or they want to move Avery Williams back to corner or something like that. Because I don't, don't ask me why they did that. I don't understand moving a corner to running back and then giving him like eight to 10 carries a game, but yeah, uh, I'm not Arthur Smith. Um, thank God for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, Algier definitely seems like a value as far as, you know, knowing what the Falcons want to do. Um, obviously they're going to have pits in London and maybe they add another weapon or two to that offense. Uh, obviously either going with Ritter or a completely different quarterback or a veteran, whatever they want to do. Uh, so there's still a lot of moving parts there, but I think Algier is going to be set there at least for a little bit to be the one a, if it's a committee, I think that's going to actually be better for him as far as us wanting to get him at value. And for him staying fresh, we talk about, you know, I, I just mentioned how hard he runs in football, how he's taking hits and dishing hits. So if he is kind of a lead back in a committee, at least it won't wear and tear his body as much as he's putting those licks on safeties coming up to try to tackle him. So yep. I, I like that. Scampers, if you have somebody you want to add or anybody in the chat that wants to add to the conversation, whose stock has risen for you? Who's a guy you're going to target next year ahead of, of the curve? So Feel free to add it to the chat. Join in the conversation. We're going to talk about this Monday Night Football game, Kev, because we got a good one this week. We got Bills at Bengals, and we're going to try to get out of here before kickoff this week so that way we can actually enjoy this game because it's going to be a good one. These are two teams that are AFC Championship 
you know, focused and, and Super Bowl aspirations. Um, there's two things we could be looking for here. We're going to be looking forward to things from a fantasy standpoint and from a real-life football standpoint with this game. So talking about from a fantasy standpoint, Loop talked about his sweat. Loop is in pros with Joe's with his partner, Wendy, and they're going up against Gab Goody and her partner. And Loop needs 36 points from Burrow and Chase to win pros with Joe's. And that was funny because we were hanging out with Eric from the who runs pros with Joe's when we were in Canton. And all the rest of the besties were in pros with Joe's. You, me, Loop, uh, Coop, Linda, we were all in. So he asked Loop, you know, how come you're the only bestie that's not in? Loop, oh, you know, I got too many leagues. And, you know, I got to cut down on my leagues. And finally, I guess Eric wore him down. Loop got in. And here he is in the championship. So 36 points from Burrow and Chase for Loop to win pros with Joe's. We're going to be rooting for you there, Loop. What about you, Kev? What are you sweating from a fantasy standpoint? So we already talked about Burrow outscoring Hayden Hurst, which, I mean, fingers crossed, God willing, nothing crazy happens. Um, I also have two full Bengals premium double stacks in redraft. Burrow, Chase, and Higgins. All in One league, I need, God, 78 points from the three of them. That's a little tough. It's it's tough, but it's possible. It is. I mean, if this game was nuts, like pinball, when I think it's certainly doable, especially if everything's concentrated to those two guys, which we know the Bengals yep. are a concentrated offense anyway. So that probably has a better shot of that happening versus like if you're betting on like the Colts or something. Um, right. But, uh, and then in another, I'm also going up against Stefan Diggs, but I only need 18 points out of Burrow Chase Higgins versus Diggs. So that's, I should be good at there. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I think I only need 78 points from Devin Singletary too in a league. So uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Sam Wagman did say that Sam Hubbard is out and he's their best interior uh, uh, lineman. So, you know what? If that gets me 78, 78.1 points, then I'll be very happy. Yeah. And if that gets you 78.1, you need to retire right there, bro. If Devin Singletary. I'm outweighing it out. Hang it up. Hang it up. You got to go outside, take whatever shoes you're wearing, tie them, throw them up on the on the uh, on the wire, the phone wire, right? Just like back in the day when you win a championship, you leave your high school, you throw your. We shoes don't up have in the those wire. in North Dakota. We don't have. <laughs> I'm in a nice neighborhood with underground electricity, so underground I can electricity. That's well, a thing? like the the transformers, like nah, the green transformers. Okay. That yeah, it's a new neighborhood. There's no overhead, so. It's All not right, no sorry. trust me. If it, if it were New York, I mean, I'd have <laughs> you know radiation and everything all around me. So I'd be just you know pick and choose which one I want. <laughs> he did. Uh, Scampers did chime in here. He's got Olave and bummed he didn't snag Shahid in Dynasty. Yeah, I don't think many people saw that coming, and you know people that were able to jump on him early, earlier in the season definitely are going to benefit from that because that offense is pretty future. They don't have a lot there. So if I nice win one. this, if I win Kings classic, it will be because of Rashid Shahid. Like he is my last flex. He, I will buy a Jersey and put it up, up, up there. I nice. swear to God, it's happening. Like nice. the need, I talked about it on uh serious last night about the unsung heroes of fantasy. Like Shahid was one of them. Like yep. Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins. Those were yep. definitely two of them. Um, the need for Shahid is real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they need something on that offense. So Shahid stepped into a nice situation, and he showed that he was a playmaker. He showed that he can go out and do it. So, I mean, good for you for grabbing him. I saw he was hanging out in your flexes the last couple of weeks when you screenshotted your lineup. So that's a good thing. And, and yeah, you know, one of the things that I need in the defense Fantasy Cares Eliminators were something that everybody really should know about if you don't know about it, right? So John Bosch runs the Eliminator Leagues, corresponds right around the same time as Scott Fishbowl. And it's, you know, you draft your team, funky scoring. Bosch is crazy. He's like a scientist with his scoring, which I'm sure it's going to change again next year. But I ended up in two of them that I, that I survived until the very end. One of them... I up against the dude who has the highest score of everybody across all the eliminators. I'm not going to beat him this week. So congratulations to him. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try to, but he's a beast. He had a lot of, he actually had the 
highest and the second highest scoring teams. So he's going to win the Jeff Manns, and I think he's going to win the Howard Bender also. But I do have a shot to win the Bob Lung Fantasy Cares Eliminator Cap. There you go. I'm down 16.57 going into tonight. I have Josh Allen, and I also have – yes, I do. I have McPherson. So I'm down 16.57. He's got nobody. So my lowest scoring players in my lineup right now are 4.85 and 5.13. So if I McPherson will get it by himself, you're good. I think McPherson will definitely get, you know, somewhere in there to qualify. And if I can get a 20 burger from Allen, I could win this thing. Yeah, I think you've got a good shot there. Uh, yeah, that scoring is wonky. Like, it's got to change. Like, I drafted so many wide receivers and I was out so quickly on a lot of them. So, like, if I drafted the uh, Deontay Johnson, who is like Mr. Inefficiency all season, like I was toast. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot one more, one more too. Uh, Warrior Bowl. I'm right now. I'm fifth. Um, I need the game of all games from the goat of all goats. That, of course, Hayden Hurst. being the one and only Gabe Davis. <laughs> because no, because the only reason I played him was because I knew I figured nobody else was going to play him. So if it came to needing a score, obviously Gabe Davis can do it. He can have a blow up game then I get to reap all the benefits. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's that's a pretty good strategy there. I a like that. DFS slant there. I like that. You know, showdown lineups or, you know, playing the, the contrarian play in yep. redraft. You can, <laughs> you can mix and match with all of this. So the dude who is winning the uh, eliminators and has the highest score, who's going to beat me in the Jeff Manns, I'm going to butcher his name, but it's Gentan Schultes, something like that, right? And his team, his qualifying team this week, yeah. Yeah. Texans defense, Commanders defense, Lions defense, Jaguars defense, Cowboys defense, Steelers defense, Chargers defense, Giants defense. Are you? What? That's his championship roster. Did he draft oh, defenses from the top? Yeah, that's that's his team that's in right now that scored anywhere from 13 points to 23 points and he still has joe burrow left to go so Can his you players win that to just here, here's his bench that off here's his bench listen to his bench bro he's got joe burrow and kirk cousins he's got aaron jones he's got matt Breda. vikings defense jets defense bears defense ravens defense dude literally drafted two quarterbacks a good running back uh shot in the dark running back and all defenses all defenses and he had the highest score so this guy this is a dude who paid attention to the league settings who paid attention to the league scoring and said you know what i don't need good players i'm just gonna draft every defense in the league and hope that they you know put up some points every week and it worked for him so shout out to you for knowing your league settings and knowing what to do i mean it's 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 ugly when you look at it that way but hey he played the game the way that it was designed to play. He he saw what the mad wizard was concocting there, and he figured out a way to do it. So good for him. Look, here's the thing, okay? G- Genton Schultes, is that his name? Is that yeah, a... that's how I'm saying it. Look, <laughs> Genton, draft real players like a man, okay? <laughs> he Don't be hiding bar. behind your, def- your, your 15-man defenses and your your where is my fantasy gone like what this used to be such a great game <laughs> of fantasy football hey he, he did it right ruth bro. bader ginsburg or whatever his name is yeah shout out <laughs> to rdg have to go and butcher it all like, he played it right, bro. He read what Bosch was doing. He drafted the team that needed to win, and he's gonna get a trophy to he's gonna get a trophy smack ring or something like that for his for being the top scorer. And you overall? know what? Yeah, overall. That team, that team that I just read to you is the highest scoring of all FC eliminators. Everybody who played the eliminators, that team is the highest scoring team across the board for the season. Oh, that ball. team. Yeah, so good for you, bro. You play the game the way that Bosch designed it to be played. Hey, I drafted a team that was, I guess, fairly normal. I had one defense, 
and two kickers or something like that. And I met him in the championship. So I guess you could build a team either way, right? 12? Is it 12 defenses? 12. I I lost count after a while. Stop it. Get some help. (laughs) Hey, it worked for him, bro. For the love of criminy, (laughs) I swear. Well, we're not going to be looking for defenses tonight. We're looking for shootouts. We're looking for a high-scoring game. From a football standpoint, Kev, what are you looking forward to the most tonight? That they don't drag this out and I'm left crying in the field position, uh, you know, at the end of the game because that would be bad. But as far as a real life thing, um, basically, I just hope that I just hope that game can just pinball. Um, you know, the Bills can obviously play some, you know, it's it's hard to, to focus on just one of those guys as far as Higgins or Chase. And then obviously you got the running game too with Mixon. Like it's tough to to game plan and take away the Bengals in totality. You almost have to allow. It's like a pick your poison. You have to allow something, and hopefully that doesn't kill you. So we'll see what the Bills do because obviously you know they can take away Hayden Hurst with Matt Milano, um, but I am a bit worried about how they're going to figure out a way to stop both Chase and Higgins. Uh, so I think it could be, you know, Trevor, uh, Tyler Boyd and Trenton hit uh, Trenton Irwin has kind of worked his way in a little bit, uh, to what Boyd has been doing. I think he's earned a little bit more, uh, playing time there. So who knows? It could be a three touchdown Trenton Irwin game tonight. So <laughs> playing your showdown lineups, I hope you at least got him in there for uh super cheap, but God, let's hope not because I don't think that's going to help win anyone. Those long flowing locks that I wish I had, you know, the Trenton <laughs> Irwin, like he makes me feel like I can do things like just seeing a white boy out there. Like, go dude, I, <laughs> my certified public accountant. You know. <laughs> Hey, that's what he does when the season ends. So you know, yeah, he's he's, he's it, working underneath Hunter Renfro. Yeah, he's he's kind of hoping that they don't go to the Super Bowl because that might roll into tax season, and you know he's got to be ready for that. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look at block the other he's end. heard of his H and R block. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to look at the other end of this game, Kev. I'm curious to see how Buffalo uses James Cook because he's been kind of taking on an increased workload. He's been getting a little bit more involved in the offense and i want to see how they're going to work him into a playoff like game tonight to see how they might use him in the playoffs because i think if buffalo is going to be a legit super bowl contender here as a team that could actually win the super bowl they're going to need james cook it can't just be singletary they need singletary is good he's stable he's a steady back but I think they need a guy like Cook that can offer some explosive upside and some playmaking ability to step up and have a decent role in this offense to win a Super Bowl. So I'm curious to see how they utilize him in a playoff light game tonight. Final thought. My final thought is going to be one that, that touches the heart, Kev, because I don't know if you saw the story about Blaine Gabbert the other day. Blaine Gabbert was out uh, jet skiing with his brothers and a helicopter went down in the bay and they saw the helicopter in the water and they jet skied over to the helicopter. There were four passengers in the helicopter and they helped get the passengers out of the water and onto their jet skis. And even when they interviewed the police, they were like, yeah, you know, Blaine and his brothers pretty much finished the rescue before we got there. I mean, they got there, they grabbed the last guy that was already like half out of the water or whatever and said, Oh, thanks guys. You appreciate you doing a job. But you know, that talks about just the humanity, right? Sometimes we look at these football players as just, you know, entertainment and, and guys that are getting paid millions of dollars to entertain us, but they're all human. They're all real humans that have hearts. And, you know, I, I tweeted before about, you know, if Mike Evans helped you win your fantasy championship, consider donating some of your winnings to his charity because Mike Evans and and my guy, Will Golston right here, they're big on giving back to the community. So, you know, that's something that we, we haven't really talked about, but I touched on that real quick and check out the tweet, but these are real humans that have hearts and for them to be out and say, you know, they felt called and compelled to just get on and ride their jet skis over to try to help people. And they save people's lives because of it. So that was a pretty awesome story, Kevin. That's my final thought. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I will pr- I will never call him uh, Blaine Garbage ever again. Uh, I think he's finally he has absolved his name uh, for doing some good uh, to from human to human. Um, I guess my final thought will be kind of the other side of that. We talk about how players are human. Um, I know Justin Jefferson did uh, delete his social media before that game, but there are a lot of people out there that are saying, you know, that are kind of chastising him, uh, not being able to quote face the music when Jair Alexander called him out. Um, and I will just say, you know, players are human beings too. Like they're no different as far as feelings, emotions, you know, reactions, all that stuff. So like, just be nice to people. Like there's no need to, you know, attack people on Twitter or attack, you know, just players that, you know, you're just a a name on the screen, you know, just typing out, you know, all this stuff to other people. But at the end of the day, you know, these people are reading that and it affects people like, you you know, you wouldn't want somebody to do that to you. And I just don't understand what compels people to do that as a quote, nameless, faceless person. But it does happen and it happens all the time. Um, and not just in football. Obviously, we got so many sports and then, you know, politics is aside, but like, you know, actors and, you know, for their beliefs and all that stuff. So that's my final thought. I'll, uh, I'll go off the deep end since we're uh up against it here because the game's starting in a couple minutes. So uh as far as game thing, I like 78, that, 78 from single tutty. Uh <laughs> go burrow, go Bengals, um, go Gabe Davis. All right, there we go. And I like that final thought because it is that time of year where people are losing fantasy championships and blowing up people on social media, whether it be the players or the analysts that gave them advice. It's like well, not only is it a game about a game, but like you don't need to be a jerk. You know, if you lose, you lose. You win, you win, you lose, you lose. Like take it and deal with it. Deal with it like a normal civilized human being. So thank you for everyone who tuned in. We'll wrap up on that. We'll get back into it next week. What we're going to talk about, and we'll talk about it in the group chat a little bit more. Kev, 2022 draft. Let's go. We're going to start talking about next season we're gonna start running our game shows we're gonna start doing fun things bringing in guests so we're gonna keep this rolling into the offseason and keep the fun going because i mean hey we got it we got it we got to be excellent to each other we got to be able to you know love what we're doing and be here to talk about it so thank you to anybody who did tune in today thank you for hanging out checking us out we appreciate you thank you to rasbull Thank you for hosting us all season. Definitely check out the Rasball YouTube channel. Check out the Fantasy Besties Twitter page, rasball.com. For Kevin, Linda, Coop, and Luke, I'm JB Barry with the Fantasy Besties. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Monday. Go B, and the B stands for Bengals and Fantasy Besties in the bottom right corner.